Hey everyone, welcome to Every Quarter. I'm Neil Evans, and you're about to hear my conversation with Farron Krenzel. She's a member of Andover's class of 1999 and editor at large for L.com. Farron is a style and fashion expert, so we get into current trends, how celebrities curate their aesthetic, some talk of the streetwear craze that is happening on campus right now, and the economic and cultural impact clothes have on our society. Uh, not only is Farron a great journalist who has interviewed uh, Kim Kardashian and Cardi B recently, and yes, we do talk about them, along with some Beyonce controversy, uh, but she was super nice and funny and self-deprecating and a joy to talk to. So here's our conversation. Hope you enjoy. Hey, everyone. This is Neil Evans. I'm the Associate Director of Digital Communications here at Andover, and I'm joined today by Farron Krenzel. Uh, Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? Great. Uh, <laughs> she is editor-at-large at L.com and a member of the class of 1999. Which makes me 28 years old. Yes. yes. We don't do math here. So no. It's okay. No. Math is not a strong suit at Phillips Academy <laughs> Andover. <laughs> so I'm going to jump right in here. That was a lie. Yes. <laughs> I read in an interview that you were not too fond of the style of your day when you were here of the students and that oh, loungewear was sort of the, man, the, the, the go-to. Put on the no, it's okay. It's okay. I, I'm, I'm not going to go there. We're no, not going to call you, anyone you out. You already went there. <laughs> but, so the question is, yeah. how's everyone looking now? Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> That's an even worse question. No, I'm sorry. Oh, God. Can we rewind? Start the podcast over. (laughs) All right. Here's another question. All right. We'll we'll just skip that one. What is appropriate reunion attire for that 5, 10, 15? You know, you're coming back. You're seeing friends. What's, like, the glow-up look? What's sort of, like... Oh, Neil has done his research. My goodness. Okay. Wow. So, um... You are going to be sorely disappointed. Okay. Because I think that the ultimate glow-up look is wearing whatever you want. Um, I think that if you are... I know in my life that the times when I'm the most worried about how I look or how other people are going to think I look, really that's a sign that I'm worried about something I'm doing in my own life. Hmm. You know, that's a sign that, okay, you know... I'm worried people are judging me because for whatever reason right now, I'm judging me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think if you're having a a reunion style crisis, (laughs) um, just make sure that it's because you want to go shopping, you know, and not because you're feeling anxious about being judged or about who you are versus who you thought you were going to be or something like that. Um, In terms of the loungewear question, Yeah, man. I mean, you have to understand, we were kind of the last generation before social media. Mm -hmm. So um, there was not a camera in your face, in your phone, Mm -hmm. in your classroom. And um, so it was also just coming out of like 90s grunge, Mm -hmm. right? I graduated the very last year of the 90s. And so there was a feeling that if you dressed up, um, if you overly cared about your appearance, that you were either stupid or shallow or, you know, perhaps slutty. Mm. Um, It was considered very uncool to admit that you cared about your clothing um, or to admit that you, you know, cared about your appearance. 
it was also considered very uncool to look gross, you know, which is always the catch-22, isn't it? You know, be yourself as long as it's the yourself that we want you to be. So, um, like, but, like you didn't try, like you spent an hour to look like you're not trying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what that translated to here, also, let's be real. I mean, you're staying up until midnight mm-hmm. studying and writing. You've got to be at Bullfinch for your class at 8.05, there are definitely going to be days where you literally don't have time to put on new pants, you know, <laughs> like, and that just happens. Yeah. So, um, so that translated into like a lot of North Face, you mm-hmm. know, puffers and a lot of like Abercrombie and J. Crew pajama pants and plaid flannel bottoms. And I was just the opposite, you sure. know, um, I was so excited to finally be old enough and and big enough because I was always kind of the runt of the class, you know, and I always was wearing, like, I couldn't fit into adult size clothing until I was probably a lower. I was still wearing Gap Kids, you know, so I was so excited to just finally be able to wear a a grown-up pair of jeans um, and, like, a, a real cocktail dress that I would, literally, I showed up every day to school in a cocktail dress and a pair of sneakers. Um, and when it got too cold, I would just put a pair of biking pants you know or yoga pants underneath the dress and do it anyway um and everybody would always be like why are you so dressed up are you going somewhere like what are you doing you know and and so I just kept getting weirder and weirder with it I would wear my mom's old bridesmaid dresses from the 70s I would raid the costume shop sorry um (laughs) you know and put on crazy vintage dresses from there Mm -hmm. um yeah, and it just it got to the point where it became its own little performance. Cool. Um, and I loved it. Nice. You know, I still have a few dresses from back then that I whip out once in a while. And, um, and I feel like in terms of playing with identity, which is a huge thing as a teenager, you know, for me that always came down to aesthetics. And I don't think that made me shallow or stupid. Sadly, it definitely didn't make me slutty because I had no boyfriends at Phillips while I was here, um, you know, which we can talk about in another podcast. <laughs> but um, but uh, I think it was the first time that I understood that you could use fashion to set yourself apart, but that you could also use it to challenge what was going on around you. Um, you know, obviously when you're 15, 16, you're not thinking about it at the time. You're just thinking, I want to look like Gwyneth Paltrow and you're all weird that you don't (laughs) and like, goodbye. You know what I mean? But I remember prom, the first prom I went to, you almost couldn't recognize people because, you know, all of a sudden they were busting out, you know, for me, prom was just another, oh, I have a vintage dress in the back of my closet somewhere. I guess I'll wear that. (laughs) A lot of loafers at this year's prom. Were there? Like Gucci loafers? Yeah. Yeah. Suede. Uh, Yeah. Okay. uh, uh, Sure. I mean, on the one hand, I do think a flat is fantastic at prom because you want to dance. And you should be able to dance. You know, I think clothes become a problem when they inhibit um, who you are and what you actually want to do. So if you need a loafer to be able to get down, go for it. (laughs) Um, Like, I think you should just wear sneakers, you know. Yeah. They'll have a 10 things I hate about you moment. 
I'm a big sneaker person. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, comfort, this, function, is, but also do, style. Now. Is this like, actually interesting to the listeners? Yes. I feel awful. No. Like, I'm sorry I'm talking about loafers, you guys. This is, this is what you do, though. This is... It's not. Well, you I know. Mean, it, it is, and it's not. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, sorry. I, I Neil's want... like, this girl is so boring. We have no, to end this podcast now. No, I'm not saying that. Uh, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. <laughs> I will say the students now are, are definitely more... Fashion oh, forward. Oh, I know. Have you? Do I you know. follow the Instagram account of the Andover edition? I or? sure do. But yeah. I will also tell you that a few years ago, a few young women who have since graduated reached out to me. Oh, cool! And they said, "Will you be our fashion mentor?" Wow! They had their own blog. Nice. They um, had a store on Poshmark. Cool. They were running essentially, you know, a contemporary designer <laughs> resale company out of their dorm room. Um, They've since turned it into an actual retail company where they design their own clothes. Awesome. They're amazing. Um, and so when I started speaking to them, um, and they would show up, you know, to meet me in commons, mm-hmm. um, or they would come to New York for the summer and I would take them out to breakfast or something and they would be busting out these amazing looks. <laughs> um, and then I started following you know, the yeah. Instagram accounts. And yeah, it's definitely changed. And I think it's partly because the culture has changed. Yep. You know, fashion is no longer um, kind of like a subculture. It's mm-hmm. part of the dominant culture. Um, and also because we've become a more increasingly visual mm-hmm. society and that's how we communicate, people have started, you know, adapting that way of life. Um, but I love looking at what everyone's wearing. It also, it's just nice to see young excited you know motivated people like unfortunately you turn on the news or you listen to NPR and right now we're not getting a lot of that and so besides looking great they also seem quite optimistic and that makes me more optimistic cool yeah yeah I think uh, streetwear is very popular on I'm campus. sure it is um, oh man a lot of hype you got so. a lot of hype beasts here <laughs> yeah um but you know, no, the kids I think, do what they do. You know? I think that's great. Again, like I think that if you can figure out how to live your everyday life while looking, you know, a way that is not an everyday way, sure. you've won. Yeah, so if cool. you want to do that with like a Supreme hoodie and some like old school bathing ape sneakers, which are fascinating to me because they gain and lose popularity faster than a soap opera character. Sure. You know, it's like one day everyone wants bathing ape. The next day people are like, what are you doing? The <laughs> next day, you know, oh, didn't you hear? It's bizarre. So talk to me about that maybe uh, fluctuation in the culture. Or yeah. The, how does, who, who are those tastemakers? Why does something like that happen? Well, it's because of me, Neil. <laughs> It's all because of me. Um, No, okay, so if you're listening to this and you're like, why do they want to talk to this girl and you still think that fashion sucks, uh, you've probably stopped listening, so good job. But um, something that people outside of the industry don't really think about is the parallels between the fashion market and the art market, Mm -hmm. Um, which is that there are these objects and in and of themselves – you could take them or leave them, but in the greater context of culture, but also investment, um, they can gain and lose value very quickly. And if there was a formula for that, it, you know, everybody would be rich. It would be like that terrible Bradley Cooper movie um, where you could just predict which stock was going to go up at, at which price. But much like a Nate Lohman painting, you know, much like some of the more contemporary artists that you have in the Addison, even like a Frank Stella 
the prices will wildly fluctuate depending on what's available, depending on, you know, with an artist, it's if they're still making things with a designer, it's if they have left the company where they were a creative director. Um, Obviously, sometimes people pass on in both worlds and that drastically increases the value. And so you have things like sneakers and sweatpants and backpacks and... um, in and of themselves, much like a canvas with some paint, I mean, how much does that really cost? But within the broader market, you see these incredible fluctuations where one day you can have a pair of sneakers and you can probably sell them for $3,000. And the next day you can't sell them at all because nobody wants to wear them anymore. Um, And where that comes from is a combination of the retailers Um, it's a combination of, as you said, the influencers, mm-hmm. um, who also wildly fluctuate. Yeah. Um, and it's a combination of market value. You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, if you don't show up and buy something, it can't exist as a brand. And something that we see in fashion that I wish people saw um, just in everyday life is the power of consumer culture. It doesn't matter what the reviews of a runway show are. It doesn't matter how much magazine you know, space it gets. If at the end of the day, people aren't buying the clothes, that brand dies. And, you know, voting counts the box office, but it also counts the cash register. And that's something you see very immediately in fashion because the stakes are so high. Um, You know, it takes so much money to run a fashion label Mm. that if you're losing money, you can see very quickly that you're losing money and you're losing a lot of money. Um, So people can tell very quickly, sometimes a little too quickly, whether a designer's work is catching on Mm -hmm. and you have a lot of turnover because of that. But the cool thing about it is understanding the democracy of economics. Obviously, there's a lot of inherent privilege involved in that. You have to have a dollar to to use it, you know, to invest in something. But um, if you want things to be made more sustainably, if you want to make sure that something is being made with fair labor. If you want to make sure that you're investing in black-owned businesses, in female-led businesses, you do that with your money. You do that by saying, I'm going to buy this lipstick and not this lipstick. I'm going to buy these sneakers and not those sneakers. And it can change the market and the investability. Um, And hopefully, and this is going to sound really optimistic, but hopefully it can enact incremental change you know, in the world. I'm on a big kick right now about clean denim um, because denim, cheap denim, um, even sometimes expensive denim, it uses so much of the world's water supply and Mm. it doesn't put the water back into the, back into circulation essentially. It puts too many chemicals into it. You can't use it. You can't clean it. It's done. Um, And that's so that you can have a pair of 39.99 jeans you know um and there are companies like g-star like stella mccartney um that are either buying dead stock which is like just a bunch of old unused denim that's hanging out in a warehouse um you know like a company went defunct Mm -hmm. and nobody nobody did anything they were like whatever it's like 10 bolts of denim but you can make great jeans out of that without you know using any extra water or um, like G-Star, they're pioneering these ways to make zero-waste denim mm. where you can process the indigo and the cotton without having to use like salt and iodine and all this stuff. Um, and that makes a huge difference. Um, 
So if you decide, if everybody decided that they're not going to buy jeans that are using harsh chemicals and polluting the environment, that's when people are going to say, oh, crap, we need to change our denim process. Unfortunately, they're not going to say it because they're harming Mm. people or animals or the planet. But they will say it if they're losing money. (laughs) Of course, yeah. So uh, switching gears a little bit. Yeah, this is not where Neil thought this was going to go. This is good. This is good, though. No, it's really fascinating because you don't think about those genes that – No, I'm – And it's it's a tangible way to make a difference. It's a huge way. Shopping is a huge way to make a difference, yeah. Uh, And knowing where – it's the same thing like farm to table, mm -hmm. you know, farm to closet. Like you've got to know where your stuff is coming from. Yeah. So you have recently uh, interviewed Kim Kardashian. I have. Cardi B. Yeah. Just to name a few. <laughs> yes, all and, of my friends. And this is sort of on that same parallel uh, topic we were just talking about. Yeah. Sort of the celebrity fashion line or mm-hmm. these sort of influential, influential uh, media figures that are now dipping their toes. And they, they may be fans. But you guys can't see this, but right now Neil is decked out in head-to-toe Cardi B. It is so cute, you guys. He looks amazing in Neon. More of a Fenty person. Oh, you're really? <laughs> All right. Do you have their highlighter? It would be great with your skin tone. Uh, I'll have to ask my mom. I'll, <laughs> I'll make some calls. But yeah, so. <laughs> we can get you some of that. Perfect. In the in the swag shop, like the, the gifting suite. Gifting suite. Yeah, yeah. the reunion gifting suite. Oh, yeah. God. Um, yeah. So, like, how do you know these celebrities sort of break in, or are they associating themselves with a house, or you know, talk me through that process? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, it can go both ways. Sure. Um, where a lot of times um, designers and their business advisors, frankly, um, you know, their marketing directors, their VP of public relations will be like, we've got to get this girl into our clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, And they will reach out either to the celebrity or to the celebrity stylist, Mm -hmm. um, who's the person responsible for dressing them, not just for the red carpet, but honestly, like for the airport. When you see, you know, Kendall Jenner or Emma Stone, in those paparazzi shots at the airport, they have been dressed by a fashion professional. And even if they're in sweatpants, those sweatpants have been tailored and fitted for them. Um, In this day where everything is documented and everything is visual currency, people who no people who yeah. make money off of their identity and their right. image they're not leaving anything to chance. So if you the next time you are going to the airport in sweatpants, do it. Don't worry about it because <laughs> the people who are, you know, getting those pictures in, in um, like allure, you know, and in style that are right. like airport style. No, that's not. <laughs> that's not airport style. That's a very, very hefty endorsement fee from a brand and a very skilled stylist. Um, cool. Yeah. So it's either the brands are thinking this person matches our identity, mm-hmm. and not only that, but their fans mm-hmm. are people who should buying our stuff that's one way the other way which is like the sienna miller burberry connection or um jennifer connelly and nicola gasquier who was at balenciaga and now he's at vuitton where the celebrity themselves befriends the designer they meet on a shoot they meet at a party jared leto and alessandra michele at gucci is another example um, and they just, like, really, really get along. Like, they really jam with each other. They get each other. They kind of become, like, mutual muses in a sense. Um, and the designer starts making stuff for the person. Jeremy Scott and Katy Perry is a great example of that. You know, it really becomes, like, a muse, an artist-muse relationship where their entire collections are sort of 
spawned and spurred by these celebrities who were making images, you know, in their own lives and in their own way. So um, mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it's mutual beneficial. <laughs> Guys, it's early. Um, it's early, and we had a reunion last night, too, and you know what that means. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, the the thing is, I haven't heard of too many designers who haven't really liked the celebrities that they're working with. Mm-hmm. You know, so there has to be that element of friendship and trust. At the same time, if there isn't an element of um, money, those partnerships don't usually last either mm-hmm. because celebrities are expensive. Even influencers are expensive. And yes. you have, you people don't love to talk about it, but the reality is many brands will give the celebrity and the stylist hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to wear their stuff on the red carpet, to talk about it in interviews, um, to generally represent the brand and be, quote unquote, a friend of the brand. Um, You know, friendship isn't free in fashion, usually. Um, So ultimately, there has to be some sort of a a big payoff. Um, But it also rests a lot on just whether the celebrity is cool and people want them around Mm -hmm. because photo shoots last for like 10 hours. Mm. And that's something we, you know, we don't talk about is that photo shoots last for like 10 hours. Commercial shoots last for days. Hmm. Often you're on set with someone um, in a location where you don't live. So you're kind of stuck with these people, you know, whether it's in Milan where there's really nothing to do except hang out with the people you're with or you're on a photo shoot you know in Brazil where you don't speak the language and so if the people aren't cool and nice um you're probably not going to get a lot of jobs Hmm. you know and that's something when we talk about a Kim Kardashian and people are like I don't get it and I'm like well if you ever meet Kim Kardashian you will get it Hmm. because not only is she quite beautiful and you can have whatever opinion you want Mm -hmm. about her style and her lifestyle but she's beautiful but she is also amazing at looking you in the eye remembering your name she's a fantastic listener she's a really magnetic listener where when Mm -hmm. she looks at you and you're talking to her you feel like what you say is valuable um and people want her around Mm -hmm. because she's lovely um and she makes them feel special and that is something when students from Andover, you know, reach out to me and they say, what are they like? How do you do this? <laughs> I always say, listen, everyone's different, you know, but the the common thing they have is that you get to a certain level of fame or influence, as they say, I guess. And, um, you know, n- everyone wants that. Everyone in that industry mm-hmm. wants to be famous, wants to be successful, wants to be adored and admired and booked for fashion campaigns. But if you book one and you're a diva or boring or your work ethic is low, you're just not going to get another job. Um, so what I always tell the kids here when they ask me for advice is I'm like, listen, like, you know, the best thing you can learn how to be is chill and um, and – a good listener and a little bit accepting of chaos um, and a little bit accepting of people who are different than you 
because ultimately there's a million people who work hard, which is definitely part of it, who are talented, which is also part of it. But the thing that sets you apart is a little bit more empathy, um, a little bit more interest in the other people, mm. not just you know interest in yourself, um, and a little bit of a willingness to be silly and to just kind of go with things and take risks creatively, um, you know, and see where they go. Um, that's what'll get people to keep asking you back. Um, and that is something that is fun here because we're so high achieving here that sometimes that gets, I don't want to say lost, mm. but sometimes that gets a little bit, um, other things get Pri- highlighted. Priorities. More. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And yeah. that is, that's awesome. High school is the time when you are supposed to learn as much as you possibly can, work as hard as you possibly can, sleep as little as you possibly can, <laughs> um, and freak out as much as you possibly can. But um, but like the mellowing out process of your adulthood is going to serve you really well in a creative field in a way that we don't hear about a lot. You know, we, in the popular narrative, it's all like Beyonce has 29 hours in her day or whatever. And that's true. She's an incredibly hard worker, you know, but she's also – an incredibly good listener. Um, And the people that she's friends with, you will notice, have been friends with her for life. Um, And that matters a lot, too. All right, I wasn't going to go here, but you mentioned Beyonce. What's what's up with the the controversy, the court side? Oh, that's nonsense. I I looked at that as like, her fans are crazy, right? I don't know. I I would never say that, (laughs) because I am a... I am a. Am I going to get swarmed on the? Yeah, podcast? I think you are, and I might do the swarming. I am a hive member for sure. Um, so that's a really good example, though. Yeah. Of um, that's a really good example of like image culture going too far because it's an amazing image. You can read so much into her face. You can read so much into this woman talking to Jay Z. You can superimpose that whole other narrative about you know what Becky. Yes, you can superimpose that whole other narrative. Onto this, you know, there's also some very interesting racial implications, especially because that woman was wearing the exact same boots that Michelle Obama wore on her book tour, you know, but but Michelle Obama wore them a lot better and also wore them first. And, you know, you have all of these really interesting things converging. But the reality is if we photographed everyone – 24 7 there would be a photograph of all of us where we looked mad and we weren't mad we were just thinking I wonder where the bathroom is you know (laughs) um there would be a photograph of all of us where we looked thirsty for someone else's husband when really we were just you know thirsty for a diet coke and we're like trying to find the bar um and yeah yeah so like obviously I wasn't there I also (laughs) I will be super honest I um I don't do sports um, I, You're wearing an NBA t-shirt. No, but this is all of the teams. It's a joke. It's because I can't even tell that these are different. I'm wearing a t-shirt from I'm wearing a t-shirt from Paris. A vintage. It's a vintage NBA t-shirt. Team logo. It's a vintage NBA yeah. team logo t-shirt, but it literally has all the logos because in you know it has like ten. There's like thirty. Teams. Okay, see, I didn't even know that. I thought it was. I just thought it was funny. Um, and also with with graphic t-shirts, the fit is a lot more important than the graphic. Interesting. You I'm, know, I have a lot of graphic tees. Yeah, graphic yeah. tees are good, but with vintage t-shirts, like if you find one that's good on your body, the graphic is less important. It's obviously important if it's like political or good, good you know social, and you yeah. like obviously I don't think you should all be marching around in, <laughs> in a 
Trump t-shirt, even if it makes you look really cool, there's no such thing as a Trump t-shirt that'll make you look really cool. But um, you know what I mean? Anyway, I know nothing about sports. So that's my disclosure about this whole thing. I definitely wasn't there. Um, But yeah, it's like that's more fame culture than fashion culture, but it does speak to the power of imagery. And it also speaks to, you know, this idea that everything we do is being documented, but that doesn't mean that it's being documented accurately. Sure. You know, I have incredible empathy for somebody who is literally, like, essentially doing her job. I mean, her husband is the owner of the team, and she was literally asking them, do you want anything to drink? And that was the moment that was caught, and all of these interpretations were layered on top of it, and, um, wow. You know, I don't feel sorry for this woman. I mean, she appears to live a life of great love and comfort and glamour, and that's great. You know, I'm sorry that her Instagram hasn't been going well for her. That's a bummer, but, eh. Like, you know, I don't think anyone's ruined her life, but it's... Yeah, fan culture is weird. There have been a couple of times where I have been on tour with a band Mm. um, for my job, but, you know, you become friends with people. And suddenly I get a text that there's, like, a picture of me on some, like, fan account. Once somebody took a picture of me in an elevator in a hotel going up to see Mm -hmm. these, you know, people in a band Mm -hmm. in an elevator in, like – you know, the Four Seasons in New York City. There was, like, someone in the elevator with us who had their phone on us the whole time. And then it ends up on the internet, you know, and then I get all these texts being like, wait. So I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, no, I was coming to, like, bring some jeans because they didn't like the ones that they were wearing. And they had to go to, like, a thing. Mm. And that was literally the end of that. So it's, fan culture is weird. Instagram is not real. Can we can we say that? Like, for, no. for, 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 for very mega celebrities? No, I'm not sure that's true. I think that reality is bigger than what we want it to be. How's that? Maybe that's not, do I sound like Keanu in the Matrix? Um, <laughs> now we're getting metaphysical. Like, man, we just wanted her to talk about the famous people she's friends with, and now she's talking about, like, dimensional reality. <laughs> like, deep. F this. Um Ladies and gentlemen, Andover. Okay, um, no, I think that what is really interesting, and maybe it is a little matrixy, I don't know, is that like our real lives have a component now that is avatar-like, you know, and that is Instagram. And in a way, it's not real. It's Well, it's become more real than your real life. But in another <laughs> way, it represents, you know, an internal life mm-hmm. that you would never be able to express unless you were an artist you know, um, in a, in a past life. So, so yeah, I don't want to say it's not real. I will say I've definitely had people, friends, you know, also honestly people at this reunion being like, Oh, I saw this picture where you were doing that. That was so cool. And it was not guys. It was not cool. It was, (laughs) I was a bummer of a trip. So like there are definitely times where you can finesse things and make them look better, but there's also times where you can share things that you've been thinking about or that you've seen and that you obsess about that nobody would ever know, you know, that seem inconsequential, but that are a big part of who you are. Um, and in a weird way, it's a safer space to share them because you have more time to think about how you want to share them. Um, I think Instagram is an incredibly powerful tool for, you know, I know a few younger people who are or have transitioned genders. And it's been an incredibly helpful tool to reintroduce themselves and say, this is who I am. This is 
how I look. This is what I want to be called. You know, this is who I want you to know that I am. And it's also been great because you see overwhelming shows of support. And yeah, they're comments. They're not quote unquote real. But they get internalized. And yeah, you know, internet comments and internet stuff gets internalized badly. But they can also get internalized really beautifully. And I think that um, who are we to say that that's not more real, you know, than a conversation you can have face to face. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll get you out of here on an easy one. Oh, oh boy. What is the hot trend for summer? What <laughs> should I be wearing to my barbecues? What should, you know, what should the kids out there, you know, what's next? What's hot? You guys are giving me so much credit. I I love that you actually think You're that in this world, right? I, it's true. I am. I, you're not giving yourself enough credit. That's absolutely true. Well, there you go. That is... That is a big theme of my life, boys and girls. Um, don't be like Farron. Okay, uh, let's see. So what is really interesting right now, um, and part of the reason I got into fashion is the way that it mirrors a lot of what's going on and responds to what's going on in the outside world. You know, you got the birth control pill, and all of a sudden Mary Quant came out with the mini skirt, and that became what defined the decade. Um there's a huge correlation between sex and fashion. And right now, with, um, you know, body autonomy, like, getting kind of slaughtered um, in several states, you're seeing this really weird trend with prairie dresses <laughs> and, like, really long kind of Mormony gowns like or hand, renaissance maids kind of stuff yeah yep. the silhouette i mean no yeah. nobody's walking around in those horrible hats um but yeah really long shapeless hmm. um evocative of um modesty culture but also evocative of like charlie manson cult girls um there's a real danger when you don't know what's lurking underneath the surface hmm. and i think that women are leaning really hard into that right now because we're being underestimated, we're being threatened, uh, we're being regulated, you know, we're almost regulated. We're regulated on Instagram. Men can show a topless selfie and I can't, you know. And I think that uh, for women, what you're starting to see is these billowy, kind of anti-Britney, you hmm. know, dresses, um, these little house on the prairie situations that are kind of uh, – uh, a little smirk to Americana, you know, and like the good American girl and the good American dream. Um, they also reference a little bit like church, you know, and those old pictures of the Virgin Mary and even mm -hmm. like the church robes that nuns wear and definitely Handmaid's Tale. Um, but the thing is, if you're wearing something really big and beautiful, um, you can have your middle fingers up underneath that gown and no one's going to know. Um and so I think you're starting to see a lot of that. Um, and there is something really weirdly liberating about wearing like a giant flowy piece of fabric. You don't have to think about what your body looks like. You're probably not going to get catcalled when you walk down the street, which is a lovely thing. Um, if you, you know, are used to that, you live in a city and you happen to have, you know, the anatomy that apparently allows other people to talk about your body. Um, so that's, that's a cool thing to keep an eye on. Um, I don't think hype culture is going anywhere um, because it's practical. You know, like 
if you can wear sneakers and sweatpants somewhere, God, why wouldn't you? Um, we're all working really hard. And the world is, you know, it's plausible that the world is ending. We might as well. Be comfortable. Yeah. We might as well <laughs> be able to sit down and, you know, eat a donut and not worry about it. Mm. Um, so I don't think you're going to see that going anywhere. I do think that as companies get more transparent and as cancel culture mm. gets more and more vicious, um, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more brands getting canceled. I think Victoria's Secret is a really good example. Mm. Um, you know, you make some really unacceptable comments about the nature of beauty and who should be included in ideas of beauty, um, and you're canceled. Um, I think Sephora is going through a really interesting thing right now because SZA, the singer, who used to work at Sephora, P.S., um, you know, they accused her of stealing. Um, mm. They shut down the store for diversity training. And then uh, your girl, Rihanna, um, <laughs> at Fenty sent her some some yeah. Fenty to be like, don't worry about it, like yeah. shop in peace. You know, and I think that'll affect whether more women, especially women of color, decide to start going to Ulta instead. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I think cancel culture is going to affect consumer culture a lot, even if sometimes, as we've seen, you know, with the Beyonce incident, it's, it's kind of fake. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, like farm to fashion is going to keep becoming more and more of a thing where we're going to start. I mean, I think like the circular economy because the reality is, like, if you – those Gucci loafers, right? Mm. Okay, if you want a pair of Gucci loafers for a prom, you can go to Gucci and get them. And that's, what, like $7.50, $8.50? Or, which is cool, like, if you want to invest in that and that's available to you, like, I would never judge that. That's a great investment. They're beautiful shoes. But you could also take your $350 and go on the Real Real or Poshmark – or, you know, these awesome girls, Chloe and Claire Lee, <laughs> go to their store. <laughs> and overgraduates, <laughs> 22 years old, already more successful in fashion than I am, but that's okay. Um, you know, and you can buy their old Gucci loafers, and um, nothing needs to get manufactured. Mm -hmm. You know, you get the thing you want to wear, but it's without the same carbon footprint. And it's also cheaper. Um, so I think a lot more people are going to be leaning into that, you know, but I will also say that if you wake up and you have like three finals and you did not sleep the night before and all you want to do is keep your flannel plaid LLB and PJ bottoms on, God bless you. Go in peace, my child, you know, enjoy. Just don't make fun of the chick next to you in class who's wearing the cocktail dress because she could grow up to be like a really important fashion editor and sit on a podcast and torture you for like the rest of your podcasting days. <laughs> it's a great note to go out on. Thank you, Farron. This has been awesome. I hope it has. Um, thank you guys for listening and um, yay. Bye. Every Quarter is produced by the Office of Communication at Phillips Academy in Andover. The show is made possible by a grant from the Abbott Academy Fund continuing Abbott's tradition of boldness, innovation, and caring. You can listen to the show on iTunes. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And also check us out at podcast.andover.edu, hashtag every quarter podcast. I'm Neil Evans.